0: It's Wednesday and it's 10 o'clock and I'm Tim Harris and you're with me and that means we're about to jump in the Word of God together. It's Tim with Tim. Uh, Each day Monday through Friday we take about 10 minutes, give or take a minute, and we go verse by verse through the Word of God. We're uh, getting close to the end of the book of 2 Kings. We'll probably finish 2 Kings, I'd say, a week from today. How's that? Uh, So we can talk about what we'll do next. I don't know about y'all, I'm kind of ready to get into some New Testament, (laughs) so we'll probably... Look. Uh, look at what comes next, and we'll talk about that later. But Second Kings chapter twenty today. Second Kings chapter twenty verses 1 to 21. Uh, I, I, I really like this chapter. I find it really, really interesting. Hezekiah's illness. It's kind of a famous story. You find a parallel passage in Second Chronicles. You'll find a parallel passage in Isaiah chapter 38, I believe. Uh, so again, this is a, a, a story you find at least three times in the Old Testament. Hezekiah becomes deathly ill about that same time. About what time? About the same time that 185,000 Assyrian soldiers die outside defense, you know, Uh, So that's just really kind of interesting. Uh, God kills 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, and we don't know how they died. We just know that their corpses were outside the gate, and the Assyrians all went back home. So uh, anyway, just interesting. Hezekiah becomes deathly ill after that. We're not told what his illness is. We're just told that it involves a boil. (laughs) Um, The Hebrew word there can be singular or plural, so it's not just like he had a really ugly pimple. Uh, it's it's probably something uh it's probably something like uh, uh actually some scholars say he had he would have had the bubonic plague kind of interesting uh it's it's one of the theories that perhaps God had used the plague to kill the uh, the Assyrians and now that plague uh, vermin has you know carried into the palace and now Hezekiah perhaps has bubonic plague now I don't know how smart people know stuff. <laughs> Like, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Uh, I just know that that's a, that's a common theory with scholars that uh, it's some sort of plague, bubonic plague, perhaps a boil or boils that represent the plague. At, at any rate, uh, the Lord sends Isaiah over. You know, I tell you, if you're sick, you don't want Isaiah to show up because <laughs> Isaiah comes in and says, you, you know, you're going to die. You're going to die. This is what the Lord says. Uh, you probably ought to you know, get your stuff together because you're going to die. I mean, that, that, that's the word from the Lord. Hezekiah, when he hears this, goes straight to prayer. And again, that's why we like Hezekiah, right? It says he turns his face to the wall, which is basically to say right there in that moment, he just turns away from Isaiah. He turns away from everybody else there and just has a private moment with God. And he breaks down uh, with bitter weeping and just sort of begs God for his life. Uh, you can say that his prayer is a little cocky. I, I don't know. Uh, I know that when, uh, in times when I've been seriously ill, uh, I, I you just pray, you know, you just pray, you just beg God. And that's what he says. Remember, Lord, how I've always been faithful to you, served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you, you know. Um, I, I mean, yeah, probably he isn't, you know, as good as he makes himself sound there, but he's pretty good, you know, but at any rate, I still think in this moment of prayer, there's just humility and helplessness there. I mean, he turns to the Lord and just begs God. And it's a private moment, you know, and that's what he begs God for. You know, just, you know, God, let me live. Just let me live. I'm trying to be a good king here. Let me live, you know. So if you think you can do better, you know, we'll see how you do with the plague. (laughs) But anyway, some people think that the prayer sounds a little self-serving, a little prideful. I'm saying, you know, get off his back he's got to play you you know what i mean uh anyway god hears this prayer so whether you like it or not god responds to this prayer in a rather miraculous way isaiah says before he got halfway home you know or even out outside the palace god sends him back to say you let him know i'm going to heal him i've heard his prayer i'm going to heal him all right but then there's so much more so much more i mean hezekiah i don't know what exactly what he prayed for but he's going to be healed He's going to get 15 more years of life, you know, which is kind of amazing. Uh, He's going to serve for 29 years. We know that from the beginning, but you know, when it... First introduces him in 2 Kings. It says he reigned 29 years. So if he's got 15 more years, that means at this point he's going to get, uh, he, he's got more years on the throne in front of him than he's already had behind him. So this is quite a blessing. I'll give you 15 more years and I'm going to deliver Jerusalem from the Assyrians, you know? So that's pretty awesome. That—that That is a, a, a an amazing answer to prayer, an amazing answer to prayer. At 15 years of your life, I'll rescue you from the city uh, in the city from the king of Assyria, uh, and then you can go to the temple of the Lord three days from now. Now, we talk about the miraculous healing, and it is, it is a miraculous healing. But I just wanted to notice a couple of things: God can heal any way He wants, and throughout Scripture He demonstrates that freedom and that power. He can heal you any way He wants, and and in this case, I'm going to heal you, Hezekiah. It's going to be three days from now, and in the meantime, I'd like you to take some medicine. You know, so. They literally do a medical treatment. They make a, 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 a poultice, a, a plaster. Uh, they make this ointment out of figs and a, apply it the, the ointment to the boil or the boils. Um... So again, I think that's really interesting. I just want to call your attention to that because I know some people are like, you know, I, I trust God to heal me. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, take any medicine. Maybe I don't need to, maybe I don't need the surgery. Well, maybe you do, you know. God, in this case, uses the poultice. He uses the, the home remedy. He uses the medicine. As a matter of fact, it's part of what he commands. Isaiah says, hey, you know, Take this prescription, you know, and and put this on the boil, and uh, and God's gonna heal you in about three days, you know. Uh, so you know, take this and call me in three days. That's Doctor Isaiah's um, uh, treatment there. So do you see what I'm saying? Three days with medical treatment, you know. So uh, it's still healing. It's still from God. Uh, you can say, "Well, what, what was the use of the medicine? I don't know, but God wanted to use it, and He did. And if God wants to use, you know, blood pressure medication with you, or depression medicine, or whatever else, take the medicine and thank God for it. It's still a miracle of healing from Him. You know, it's still God who heals. I make no mistake about that. But, but anyway, here's the next part, which is just so crazy. Uh, Hezekiah says, "Well, how am I going to know?" You know, like apparently he don't want to, you know, he can't stand that drama of waiting three days, you know, with this boil. And so he says, how, how, am I, how, how will I know that I'm going to get to be in the temple in three days? And Isaiah says, well, I, I, what kind of sign do you want? And then in an amazing way, in verse eight, uh, Isaiah invents daylight savings time. <laughs> he kind of does, y'all. You notice that? He says, okay, I'm going to either help the sundial spring forward or fall backwards. Which would you like? Okay, man, I'm telling you, if they had known what I know about this week, you know, we, we we spring forward on Sunday and it's still killing me. I mean, you know, I I just I just hate this time change so much. Anyway, I'm just kidding. But they do kind of invent it right here. You know, Isaiah says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin the clock forward. I'll spin the clock back. Which would you like? You know, the idea is that Hezekiah can literally see the shadow of the sun begin to back up. I I love that. And so uh, anyway, uh, Hezekiah says, ah, it it always moves forward. So let's just see it move backwards. So he chooses to fall back. and, uh, And that's exactly what he gets. He gets the sign from God. He gets his healing, gets 15 more years, and he gets the deliverance of Jerusalem. So there you go. Hezekiah prayed and got so much more than he asked for. Is that not always the case? I mean, do I need to preach you that sermon about prayer? When have you not prayed and had God give you so much more than you could possibly ask for or imagine? He's such a good, good God. What follows is really interesting. It's another sort of prophetic oracle, but it's not good news. Uh, After this, Morodak Beladen from Babylon. What? You know, you know how I said the first time Assyria came up like, oh, no, you know, and this is one of those. Remember, Babylon is going to conquer Jerusalem and take them into exile. So now we got Babylon on the scene. At this moment, Babylon, you know, uh, Rodak Beladen is the prince of Babylon, was the son of the king, but uh, he shows up. Babylon at this moment, they themselves are still under the rule of Assyria, but they are... Uh, trying to figure out how to revolt, how to, how to seize power. And they will, that they will. It it could be that this visit with Prince uh, Merodach Beladen is in some way trying to form an alliance, trying to perhaps talk, you know, Judah into rebelling with them. I don't know. We don't get any of that information. Instead, what we get is Hezekiah, who's just feeling, you know, so much better now. He decides to welcome the prince by showing him everything, you know, so he t- takes him on a tour of like everything, like he, the back rooms, you know, showing them where all the wealth is kept. He shows him where he keeps his credit card and his iPhone. He shows him where, you know, the secret door, they, he gives them the combination to the safe. I mean, like what, what dummy, you know, I don't, he's just so happy. I, I don't know. He's feeling so good having lived through the plague. I don't know. But uh, it's not that this is sinful. It's just dumb. You know what I mean? It's just dumb to show another nation another leader like the back door to everything in your in your in your palace in your kingdom. And so Isaiah notice Isaiah's just easy access to the king. He just kind of comes by, drops by for lunch one day and says, you know, who 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 were those guys and what did they want? You know, it's not an accusation. I think at this point it's just you know, curiosity. Who 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 were those guys in the, you know, I saw a big motorcade coming in and out of town, you know, who, who's in that limousine? That ah, was Prince you know, Rodak Beladen from Babylon, you know, woo, he came to see me. And Isaiah said, what did he want? And Hezekiah's like, he just, he just came, you know, came to see me. And, uh, and so I showed him around and Isaiah says, what did you show him? And he said, everything. He saw everything. Isaiah says, oh, and then he gets this word from the Lord. Now, I don't think that this is because Hezekiah was a dummy and showed him everything. I, I think this is, you know, what was going to happen anyway. But at, at any rate, Isaiah just says, listen to this message from the Lord. Everything you showed him one day is going to be in his pocket. Everything he saw today is one day going to belong to him, including all your sons. You know, uh, they're going to become eunuchs and they're going to serve in the palace of a Babylonian king. I mean, oh my goodness. You know, that's everything we know that's coming. That, that's the exile. That's the defeat of Jerusalem, all of that, you know, and here's the prophecy there. But notice Hezekiah, like I kind of liked him till now. It's like the last thing we learned about him. But he says, well, whew, well, at least I'll be dead by then. <laughs> That's not funny, y'all. Uh, I just turned 58 though last week. And, uh, and I, I get that. I'm I'm an old enough man, like where I can just think. You know, I'm just so glad that I'm not going to live to see what what the world becomes. You know, like I'm already seeing what's on Netflix now. I don't even want to know what's going to be on Netflix in twenty years. I I, I don't want to live to see it. You know, you ever think like that, or is it just me? And you know, Hezekiah. You know, again, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying there's a sense in which. I hope I'm dead and gone before I have to see all that. And that's kind of what Hezekiah says. I'll be dead. At least I'll be dead, you know. Um, The heartbreaking part of that, though, is what we get tomorrow in chapter 21. You get Hezekiah's son and grandson who are going to follow up on the throne. And they're orangutans. It's like they are not good men. They're not good kings. They're evil and maybe it's related, I mean, Hezekiah was a good moral man, but he never manages to pass that on to the next generation, probably because he doesn't seem to care much about the next generation. You know what I'm saying? I'll be dead. You know, I'm only dead. You know, my son, yeah, you know, he's crazy. He's an orangutan. You know, he's, he's you know, he, he doesn't love the Lord or follow the Lord, but at least I'll be dead before I have to see what he does on the throne. I mean, you know, I don't want to read too much into that, But but you and I, we can't just ignore the fact that our children and grandchildren have to live in the world we leave them. You know, so it's not enough to say, well, at least I'll be dead. While we're here, maybe we could do our best to turn things around you know, and leave a better world for the next generation. The last part there, and I don't have time, verse 20 talks about he built a pool and dug a tunnel, Hezekiah's tunnel. You can still see it if you go to the Holy Land. It's really an amazing thing, and it guaranteed a supply of water during this whole siege when the Assyrians were camped outside uh, uh, it's it's an S-shaped tunnel, which is kind of weird and amazing. Uh, the inscription is found there. You, you should Google that because it's really kind of interesting. One of those moments where archaeological evidence absolutely backs up all the details of scripture here. So tomorrow, chapter 21, verses 1 to 26. I've talked too long today. Second Kings, chapter 21, verses 1 to 26. I love you guys so much. I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, for Tim with Tim. Have a good Wednesday.